Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 51. Today I will be talking about the murder of Dominique Nikki Liley. My sources for today's episode are the Till Death Do Us Part, Season 1, Episode 3, titled Control, Kill, Delete, The Cinemaholic, abcnews.go.com, gwinnettcounty.com, heavy.com, 11alive.com, and ajcnews.com. As usual, all my sources will be linked in today's show notes. Hey, Molly. Hey, baby. How are you? We need to save this family. You do not want to do this with me right now. I mean it. Nikki had a temper. If you kept on pushing, then you were going to get it. Dominique Nikki Liley was born into a traditional Southern family. Nikki was very serious about school, but she was outgoing and had a lot of friends. Nikki had been married twice before. Her last marriage ended because Nikki was getting her master's degree, and she and her husband were just headed in different directions. Nikki became a single mom, raising her young daughter, Alex. Nikki soon met a man named Matt Liley online. Nikki had moved in with her sister Amy and daughter Alex in January of 1996. Matt was living in Connecticut and had also been through a divorce. Nikki asked her sister if she could have a friend from Connecticut stay with them. Amy agreed and soon realized that Matt wasn't just a friend. Matt was described as being huge in stature and in personality. In the spring of 1996, Nikki got a job training people how to use marketing software in Oklahoma. While Nikki worked 50 50 to 60 hours a week, Matt stayed home with Alex. Alex said she wasn't very happy with her mom because she had taken her away from her dad and wasn't comfortable with their divorce. In 1998, they moved to a small town in Mississippi when Nikki was offered a job at an oil distribution ship. Nikki and Matt got married on Valentine's Day 1998. Nikki was a few months pregnant with their first daughter together, Amanda. It didn't take long for problems in their marriage to begin. Nikki was the breadwinner, and Matt's career working with computers didn't take off. Matt also accused Nikki of having a close relationship, even an affair with her boss. Nikki did work close with her boss, and they often IM'd each other. Matthew had a jealous streak in him. He thought she was either brewing up or having an affair. Nikki had Amanda, and she also had Alex. She didn't have time. Nikki's mom said she didn't have time for an affair, but it was one of the many things that Matt berated her about. Nikki and Matt would have explosive fights. Matt would record the moments when Nikki exploded, so it seemed like he was the calm one. Through everything, the couple did stay together. In 1999, they moved back to Georgia. Nikki took a job with her old company in Atlanta. The family lived in a suburb called Lawrenceville. In 2001, the couple's second daughter, Rebecca, was born. Alex was nine and Amanda was two. 
The kids were all very close. They would swim in their backyard pool and play with other kids after school. Nikki and Matt even seemed happy. That was until Nikki started to travel for work again. And Matt became obsessed with surveillance cameras after the girls' bikes were stolen from under their porch one night. He installed more than 20 cameras, mostly outside the home, but one was inside. Amanda said she didn't see it as odd, but Alex was not happy about it. You couldn't sit in front of the TV without being on camera. So if you're sitting on the couch watching a movie, the entire time you're being filmed. There was nothing you could do that you felt private about. It wasn't just surveillance that didn't record. It was recording the entire time. Alex did not like Matt. She had a temper like her mom sometimes had. Matt would say something to her and she'd go off on him. It caused more tension between Matt and Nikki, and Matt continued to record the moments when Nikki blew up at him. Nikki would talk to me about these things, and they would just get in these horrible screaming fights about this. Show me you care about this marriage and stop fighting with me. I've already shown you every which way to Sunday I care about this marriage. I've shown you and shown you. When do I get to see that you care about somebody besides yourself? Alex said she couldn't take it anymore, and she moved back in with her dad at 16 years old. Nikki said she understood and that it was probably best for her. Amanda said things were calmer when Alex moved out. She and Nikki, she said Nikki and Matt were going on dates more and went to counseling, but that was very short-lived. Matt continued to record their arguments. You'll keep demanding more and asking for more and then blaming me when you don't get more. Take that tape to the therapist and you go tomorrow. By 2011, they were fighting every night. Nikki told her sister that she was done with the marriage. On June 28, 2011, Nikki called 911 claiming Matt wouldn't let her leave the house. Yes, my husband wants to let me leave the house. The police did go to the house anyways, despite the couple telling them not to. An incident report was filled out. The police left and Nikki left for work. At 12, Amanda called her mom completely distraught. That was the call that you heard in the opening clip. On July 8, 2011, a Friday, Nikki and Matt went out on a date, but the next morning, Nikki wasn't home when her daughters woke up. Matt called Amy from Nikki's phone. He asked if she had seen Nikki. Amy said no, and then Matt told her she was missing. On July 11, 2011, Matt filed a missing persons report with the Gwinnett County Police. A detective called Matt the next day. By Saturday, July 16th, Nikki still wasn't home. Her family and volunteers went out to search for Nikki. They all wore red, had news vans there, and Nikki's mom handed out missing persons flyers. Just a few minutes into the search, a police officer's radio went off, saying, Body found. 
Nikki was found dead in a pile of leaves. She was nude. The person that found her said she knew it was her by her bright red hair. Nikki was found about 300 yards from her home. Her body had begun to decompose so that Emmy couldn't determine the cause of death. The police knew Matt was the last person to see Nikki, and he didn't participate in the searches. A search warrant was obtained for the Liley home. Hard drives were taken, and 500,000 clips of surveillance footage were searched. Nikki can be seen out on her porch on July 8th in the surveillance, smoking a cigarette. But there was no surveillance clips of her from the hour she supposedly went missing. It's believed that Matt had turned them off, and he can actually be heard admitting to this in his 911 interview. When investigators listened back to the account Matt Liley gave to police after Nikki went missing, he states his surveillance cameras weren't on. In January 2012, six months after Nikki was found, the medical examiner's test showed signs of seminal fluid. That really stuck out to the police because Matt had told them that their argument had been because Nikki didn't want to have sex with him. The semen matched Matt's DNA. The ME also found traces of GHB, the date rape, date rape drug, in her system. It's believed that Matt had tried to rape his wife. All the evidence was very circumstantial, and Matt moved with his daughters to Vermont in February 2012. One year later, Nikki's case was re-examined by Detective John Richter with the Gwinnett County Police. He wanted to start from the very beginning, especially with those surveillance tapes. I know that when we go two days without sex, you're going to automatically assume I am on strike mode, no matter what else is happening. It was absolutely awful to listen to those audio recordings. Please, you, you do not Detective Richter believed Matt didn't only turn off the cameras, but deleted or manipulated clips. He also manipulated the shit out of his recordings. Matt was only caught a handful of times losing his temper. Matt was physically abusive. He would also lock Nikki into a room to keep her from leaving. In September 2014, Detective Richter's gut feeling was right. Matt had in fact deleted files. On March 5, 2015, Matt Liley was finally charged with murder, sexual assault, and four other counts. While awaiting trial, he spoke to his daughters on the phone from jail. This is a prepaid collect call from Matt, an inmate at Gwinnett County Sheriff's Department. Okay, listen to me very carefully. Make sure you tell people. We have set up a YouTube channel to tell you the truth about what happened in our home. He told us to make a YouTube video and he told us what to say and posted it on YouTube before his trial in hopes of getting people on our side. And to not believe in these false allegations from this, let's say something insulting, from this pathological line family. Yes, sir. Taken from us four years ago, before I even turned 13, and now my dad's been taken from us, and he's missed so much already. Yeah, he missed Rebecca's play. He's missed. He's afraid of missing Rebecca's eighth grade graduation. And we just want our dad home. That's where he needs to be. That last clip that you heard was from Amanda Liley's YouTube account. Matt's trial began on January 27, 2016.
in that room when he had his way with her. Prosecutor Jones let the victim's own words fill the courtroom just before jurors were given the case. Welcome to my world. You killed me a long time ago. He made good on his Matt's ex-wife, Joanne, had testified about the abuse she endured at the hands of Matt, and Alex testified that she witnessed Matt hitting Nikki. Amanda and Rebecca testified for the defense that they never saw any violence. Matt was found guilty of two counts of murder, malice, and felony, and one count of aggravated assault. He was found not guilty of any sexual assault. He was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Amanda and Rebecca still believe that their father is innocent. However, she did reach out to Nikki's family through Facebook and has reconnected with Alex. Now to move on to something less chilling, my book recommendation for this week is The Turnout by Megan Abbott. Summary, ballet flows through their veins. Dara and Marie Durant were dancers since birth, and with their long necks and matching buns and pink tights, homeschooled and trained by their mother, decades later, the Durant School of Dance is theirs. The two sisters together with Charlie... Dara's husband and once their mother's prize student inherited the school after their parents died in a tragic accident nearly a dozen years ago. Marie, warm and soft, teaches the younger students. Dara, with her precision, trains the older ones. And Charlie, back broken after years of injuries, rules over the back office. Circling around each other, the three have perfected a dance, six days a week that keeps the studio thriving. But when a suspicious accident occurs, just on the onset of the school's annual performance of the Nutcracker, a season of competition, anxiety, and exhilaration, an interloper arrives and threatens the delicate balance of everything they've worked for. Okay, so I've read most of Megan Abbott's books, and I just love them. She really draws you in with the characters and even with the descriptions of what she's talking about. I've never done ballet in my life, but I have been to the Nutcracker probably over ten times. My grandmas and mom used to take me every year when I was younger. It brought me back to those moments when I was reading this. This book was also about striving to be perfect, which maybe we've all felt in our lives. It didn't disappoint, and I give it a 9 out of 10. I'd also love to know what you think about this case. I definitely think that Matt was the only person that murdered Nikki. I don't think that there's any other or has ever been any other suspects, and I honestly just feel bad for his daughter's Amanda and Rebecca, I think that they are in like maybe Stockholm syndrome and just think that their dad is perfect, which he's not. He's in jail and I really do feel bad for them. I also feel bad for Alex as well. I'd love to know what you think about this case or even my book recommendation. As usual, please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram, buy me a coffee, join my Patreon, support my podcast by clicking the link in my blog rate and review. Truly anything helps. My podcast and blog is completely written, researched, written, written, researched, and produced, I guess you could say, by me. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation, and remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.